Hey, welcome to the Consult ROI podcast. I've got Justin Maxwell from Big Life Financial here with us today. Uh, he's going to discuss a little bit about R&D tax credits as well as some um, ooh, other just like kind of overall life advice. Uh, he is married. He has two sons. Uh, he's been doing obviously Big Life Financial for oh, about a year right now, but uh, you do have an extensive background as far as other investments and and so forth, kind of before branching to your uh, to your own thing. And I would like you to kind of go into why, uh, first of all, you you branched into this um, this field, uh, why it was uh, so important for you, and and why uh, the, kind of this career. Um, meant the most for, for you it, it, why it's kind of your life calling so um you know I, I mean i'm actually just going to let you take over right from here just kind of introduce yourself kind of go into uh what what you like what uh what your passions are why you're in this space and then uh what you hope to to provide uh yeah our audience yeah thank you cameron i really appreciate the opportunity to be on this uh, podcast i've had some really enjoyable conversations with you i really love the deep thinking and the the more than just face or surface level value that you're trying to provide you're trying to get deep with people you're trying to provide people with a lot of value and i really appreciate that and i'm excited to, to have this conversation with you and i hope we can provide a lot of value to your listeners for information of stuff that i can provide but maybe some more philosophical things that might be able to provide and motivate people to take action and start to making some self decisions that will help them start their own career or make their own business or just move forward with the decision that they've been putting off. So hopefully we can do that as we discuss and get going here. Um, but when it comes to my story, I, uh, I am, a I, I, I have a very uh, firm belief that I need to be performing at my best. I need to be reaching my fullest potential. And when I got out of high school, I never even thought about being a entrepreneur. It was all about, I need to go to college. I need to find something I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I need to find a job. And that was what I like never once was I ever thinking I need to start my own business. Um, but I always had the motivation that I need to be doing my best. I need to be finding and fulfilling and giving my best to society through that job. So when I'm at work, they're going to get my best self. Like I'm not going to just give half effort. I'm not just going to provide the, the minimum, but I'm going to be, the best employee that I can be because I felt like that's what I had been taught. Like that's who I, that morally, that's what I wanted to be. Like integrity wise in me, I need to give my best effort when I'm at work. And so that drive to be my best at work um, pushed me to be getting my degree like in physical education, but I like pushed into my master's degree. I thought I might get a doctorate degree because I was trying to push the level of my own ability within that career. So I, I chose to be a physical education teacher because I'm passionate about sports. I'm passionate about movements for the human body. I, I, I feel that we as a society don't move enough. And so I felt like I can make a difference in this field. I can get kids motivated to move and enjoy physical activity and not be sedentary and be a healthy individual. Um, and so I pushed myself to learn as much as I possibly can on psychology techniques to get kids excited about movement learning and moving what is movement how does it work what's the best way to teach kids like not just the the typical game approach that you see from a typical physical education teacher but diving into how does movement look in this sphere how can i get kids moving without them knowing that they're actually exercising like just making it a fun environment um but i eventually hit a point where i was like you know what i am not finding my i have not found my passion like i i really enjoy this like i love coaching like but i just hit a wall of like 
I feel like I've reached as far as I can reach here. Like there's limitations when it comes to people caring um, on the administration level in schools. There's limitations when it comes to my reach in physical education. And I just hit a wall of like, I need to do something else. I need to dive in deeper into this. And so I, so it sounds I like did. it just like, wasn't I, your environment, right? Yeah, right. Like I needed more. Like I, I felt like I hadn't reached it. Like I felt like I'd reached the pinnacle of that. Uh, Do you that, feel that, that it was the environment of the current school system and how it's structured, or do you feel that it was more of the career itself? Probably a combination of both. A combination of the the current school structure doesn't um, appreciate or value physical education. Um, it's more just like, all right, we're going to send you these kids. I don't really care what you're doing here. You could be the worst teacher on earth, or you could be the best teacher, and I have no accolades for you. It doesn't really, I don't care. You're a babysitter. My teach, the teachers need a break. They need prep. They need this. You're just there to watch them and keep them safe. If you're not, as long as kids aren't getting hurt, I don't care. So that, that, go, that played into it for me. Yeah, right. That played into it for me because I didn't feel valued. Um, so that was one aspect, but also like there's a financial aspect too. Like I have a family, like I, we introduced there at the beginning and my wife has chosen to not use her degree that she has, like she has a degree, she could work if she wants, but she wants to stay home with our kids. Like she wants to be there and be an influence in their life at home. And that's the choice she's making. And I completely support her in that choice. And I want her to do that because I feel like there's value in that for our boys. Um, but when it came to the income I was making, like it's, it's fine, but it's not, it's basically paycheck to paycheck. And when you start looking into retirement years, like that's typically you have to make more during your livelihood. And then you're going to live a little bit less in retirement for the majority of people, right? Like they're, yeah. and so, but as a teacher, like you don't make very much. And then you have to live on less when you get to retirement. Like when are you ever going to live life? When are you ever going to experience um, the, the beauties of traveling and and it, like a lot of times you need money to do those things. Like you can save up, but like, it's, it's difficult when you have emergencies or little things that come up, like it's hard to do things financially as a teacher as a sole provider. And so well, I, hit I, that I believe that financially the, and philosophically. No, I, I definitely agree with you on a lot of those points. Um, I actually used to teach secondary education for a little while. Um, and it was a very similar experience. I still remember one teacher that, I about punched in the face. Um, I, she, I obviously worked with her, but um, I, I worked specifically with kids with learning disabilities. Uh, that was my main focus is kids with like Asperger's or autism mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Right. Um, and most, literally 100% of the time I found that it was not the kid's fault, that the kid was acting out as a justification or a reason to try to get noticed, uh, to right. try to, matter to, because that's the only way that people seem to care about them and negative attention is better than no attention at all um which is really unfortunate um that's why i think a lot of kids get shoved to the side into special education and i, and I know that we're kind of deep diving into a different tangent here so i want to somewhat keep it on track but i i do understand that there's a there's a great importance in being able to understand like the that there is a huge problem in that area that needs to be addressed. Um, and that's why we've tried to, and I think that you actually might be a good candidate for some of that, um, where we are developing kind of online uh, stipulated, uh, like alternative education. 
uh, for these kids. Because uh, I, I understand that there's two levels of learning. There's a level of knowledge and then there's a level of passion, right? Everybody can get to a level of knowledge. Um, there's not really any such thing as a mental handicap as much as other people, at least what other people define. Now there is physical limitations that cause a mental block, right? If you have brain damage, then that's what's limiting you. If you have a physical like handicap, that's what's limiting you. And that to a certain degree, you can learn to work around it um, and you can actually be better off for it. But the fact is, is that there's not really any actual just mental disease and that at least to that ex extent um now granted even if and if you look at the science and that with like whether it's obviously um physical therapy right if you sit on the couch all day um as you know from that training then you know that your joints stiffen up that your um, immunity system suffers that all these things start happening right so right. typically the behavior um, issues in that is a result of things that are both happening at home, dietary needs, um, lack of physical edgy, uh, like physical exercise, and all these other contributing factors that just stack up on each other that really yeah. kind of um, like just pile up until, and then what happens is that they, the kid or the child and that has not been ever taught to move past that, right? They, they aren't given the tools. And so they kind of stay at this level, this learning level and that, and it's just like, for example, if you hated high school geometry um, or eighth grade geometry, chances are your knowledge kind of got capped at that level. Right. Um, so that it's just something, if you can make it entertaining, and I think uh, there's been great ingenious ways of doing stuff like the physical education that we could both apply to all our, our industries. And that's actually kind of leading into the next question of what I would like to ask you is, so one way that people have solved the, the lack of physical education because of video games, right, is games like Pokemon Go. Um, right. So that's actually forcing people to try to walk places. And, and granted, there's always people that will drive around and, and do right. that. Um, but there is still stuff like that. And then also with VR, VR is a great way that um, they're starting to incorporate certain workouts um, as well as inter more interactive and movement with the video games. Um, and uh, how would you apply some of those things that you've learned, at least in your, uh, from that background that you are now applying in uh, your current career? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um... Yeah, so like that that type of let's just uh, that that type of uh, teaching where you're you wouldn't call it tricking, but you're changing the environment or you're changing the task to get a certain result. Um, so the 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 task for the Pokemon Go is in order to earn points or to get different places to catch different Pokemon, you actually have to walk or go to a different location. So you're requiring a task that's going to get them there. Um, so you're you're getting a desired result from that task. So the, there's a big, huge uh, the, the science behind this is called the, the constraints led approach where you can, can change, you can change the task to get the result you want. You can change the environment to get the result you want, or you can change the person. Now the person's hard to change because everyone's an individual. So the way you can then manipulate the environment or get the people to get the desired result is you either change the environment. So that would be the VR. I've changed the environment to 
bring the environment to the individual, but now they have to perform different tasks within that environment that's going to get the, the desired result. So um, a little bit sciencey, a little bit uh, deep here, but uh, essentially we can do that in any, any, any field, whether it's um, education or in, in business. So if, if people are struggling with a certain concept or not understanding something, you can change the environment they're in. So you can make them feel like they're in a different environment and then uh, approach something. So um, one way that you could possibly, that I mean, like, I haven't really thought about this like deeply, like I'm just like, this is something I've actually like not, it's actually just occurring to me now, like this is something I should be trying to apply to the way I'm like, when it comes to sales and the way I'm approaching my business, because I can manipulate um, the tasks that people are trying to accomplish or um, the, the environment that I'm putting them in um, can really set up either for failure or to, uh, to, to success. So um, when it comes to maybe, I know a lot of people don't like being like just a sales environment become, can become standoffish for people. So if you're creating that standoffish sales environment, um, you're probably going to have a negative result more often than not. And like, if you continue to see that, then don't go to like, maybe you have to improve your sales technique, but change your, the way you approach people, change the, the tone you're giving people, change the environment. Maybe you're going on people's doorsteps. Maybe you need to change it to a virtual environment. Maybe that'll open people up. It'll open the doors up for them. So try changing different things within the way you're doing things and maybe that'll work. So um, that, that I really like that. I think I'm going to have to dive deeper into like thinking, thinking about that in my own business. I'm like, how can I manipulate the environment to get people comfortable, to get them understanding like, there's lots of different ways to save on taxes or to, to save and not feel like you're being bombarded by a financial service person and like, oh, that's probably just a scam or whatever. But if I'm staying in the right environment, then it's gonna really um, help, so. Let's be honest, a lot of business people don't do their own accounting. They don't do their own taxes. They don't do any of that because of the fact that they just don't understand it and people don't like what they don't understand. So if you can gamification um, or turn it into some sort of gamification, I, I think that that greatly reduces that, that cycle, right? Yeah. Um, but let's just kind of go into what are R&D credits? Like what are R&D tax credits? What, um, what it, if for somebody that is completely ignorant, has no clue what that even entails, whether it would apply to them or not, um, kind of go into that um, and then kind of go into more of the, also the details on, uh, okay, here's who would apply, how you would apply, um, what would be at least the Bain stipulations. And then, um, and then if you don't, or if you already have an excessive amount of credits, then what would, uh, what would that entail or what, how would you suggest or advise them to approach their taxes or their situation? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, no, I like that. So it's, it's, a, it's a unique thing. So let me just back up a little bit. So a lot of people get confused when they hear the word credit or incentive. They're not really sure what that means when it comes to the tax code or government or like, what does that even mean? A couple of just examples that people can connect with. So the government, will the tax code is basically structured to we are going to reward people for doing specific things so if it's an everyday person um they the, the government values families and so if you have kids the government will give you money 
right? They give you a credit per kid. And then it's just it kept, a lot of times that makes people get a refund in their taxes. So that, that connects with people. The reason the government gives you money for that is because they value families. If people are having families, society, the, the United States growth is more safe. There's going to be more uh, security. There's going to be more uh, people aren't going to be around uh, doing illicit behaviors more because it's a, a fam when you have a family, the, 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 it decreases those negative behaviors in society. So the government likes those behaviors. So to encourage those behaviors, they give you a credit for having for meeting that requirement, right? So people can connect with that if they have kids. Another one is if like the, the people are familiar with the solar panel credits, right? Because the government wants to have green energy, that's a behavior, right? So if you put a solar panel on your house, that's a, a, a solid behavior that people want. The government wants you to have because it helps, it's gonna reduce the climate situation and they feel like it's gonna be better for, for us. It's gonna help our, our kids, right? So they, they like the green behavior. So then they give you a credit, they give you money for doing that. Okay, it's the same thing with R&D credits, but R&D credits are business specific. So these R&D credits have existed for a really long time. The first time that they were ever put on and made available to anyone in business was in 1981. So it's been 40, 40 years now of these credits. Um, but in that 40 year period, they've been different. Like it's not always been what it is today. So when it first started out, it was, you need to invent something and it has to work. And then we'll give you credit for trying that and having it work. We'll give you money because you inventing, you being creative, you putting that forth, that effort is going to help our businesses be successful. And it's going to keep us on top of the world stage. Because if our businesses are doing good, that means more tax dollars for us. That means more people employed. It keeps our country strong. And so yeah. they wanted that. So from that beginning of you need to invent something and then to, and it has to succeed. Now it is not even an invention. You just have to be trying to innovate or improve a, a, not even a product. It could be a system. It could be a process within your business. It could be something as simple as um, uh, we're gonna take, this is the, the flow chart that we use, but we're gonna, we're not just doing this flow chart, but we're tracking the data on this flow chart to see um, if the customer answers here and then here and here, where, where are we failing in here? Where can we improve this? the system that we're having people go through, yep. like it, it has now become a, a credit that is given not just to big businesses because that was who it was intended for when it first began was the automakers because the automakers had lost, the United States automakers had been overtaken by Japan. Japan had become the world leader in the auto industry. And so they wanted to, to over, the United States doesn't like being second place. So they wanted to get that back. So that the credit was first created for the auto industry. Now it's for every business that's being innovative for providing custom designs, for inventing things, for manufacturing things, because the government feels that if that business is doing that, they're being successful. And when you find success um, from an invention, now you can be a better employer, which allows you to hire more people, which gets people paying more taxes. So we're gonna help you offset the cost of that, in, that, that trial and error process. Um, so that's basically a rundown of what the credit is, like why the government gives it to you. Now let's talk a little bit about like, all right, which, which businesses can qualify for this because it does require, like you can't be like a middleman. You can't be a whole, like I buy from a wholesaler. I don't do anything to the product and then I just resell it on the shelves. Like that, that type of business doesn't qualify for R&D credits. Like you have to do some sort of creative function or manipulation of the product or process like maybe you did buy a product, but then you changed it to be better within your business. Like you added a, added something to it, whether it was a, a design or 
a picture or you put like your sticker on it and then you sold it, that would be considered research development. But typically if you're the middleman, it doesn't work. The industry, testing, the you have to do a split testing is what it sounds like either way. Um, so even if you were like a reseller of products or something or a, like an Amazon affiliate or whatever, right? You have right. to buy those products so that um, whether from China or wherever, um, modify them, uh, alter them into and try a couple different renditions and that which shows like a series of different processes. Because if you're just slapping right. a sticker on it, they're going to kind of slap you on the wrist for that. Correct. Right. I'm wrong. Yeah, they won't, you won't qualify. Yeah, they'll yeah. say, no, that's not good enough. But yeah, exactly. you, if you try different things, like maybe we tried a, a bigger picture, like let's, this, this is an example that works for a company in California. They, they, they bought a soccer ball that was completely bare. They put their sticker on it, not their sticker, but their logo on the ball after they'd already purchased it. They pumped it up in their factory and then they paid attention to, all right, does this size of logo work on the ball? Which one sells better? Which one doesn't work? Do the, the people like the ball pumped up? Do they like it deflated? So they are tracking the behavior of like, we've stuck our which logo on it now, how more. big does it need to be? Yeah, which one sold more? Which one is going to make us more efficient I'm a better company? So, because if you're a better company, you're going to make more money, which is going to allow you to hire more people and be more productive. So, they want to reward you for doing that type of study. So, that's just one example. Um, but industries that qualify like every time because they're based in hard science already would be things like agriculture, medical, dental, doctors, veterinarians, uh, physical therapists, uh, ophthalmologists, all those type of doctor people that have private practices. Um, manufacturers well, like doctors um say like chiropractors or um I, I can see how dentists could be but uh how would you like doctors for example um like say for example he's just a family practice all he does is physicals and stuff like that how would that apply to them right so that's the next key point is providing a custom solution for someone where you have to diagnose an issue and then solve the issue through a prescription because that now is an individual thing is, a client, is, is making the credit applicable. So if you are doing custom solution things for individual clients, which a doctor does, because every individual is different. Now it might look very similar, but you have to treat every individual as, a, as an individual. You can't just give everyone an off the shelf solution. Like, oh, here's your solution. Here's your solution. Like that does, that's how doctors work. Like they're, they're manipulating small things within every appointment to provide the best possible care for their client. And that manipulation where they're having to know and understand different things and provide different solutions is what R&D is all about. Like it might look a little different in the doctor environment versus like a engineering firm, but it's the same thing that you're still manipulating and providing custom solutions for that specific client. In this case, it's a person versus a product. Okay. So essentially for them, they would have to and granted, with, with doctors, a lot of the time, it is kind of more of a template, like they set you through a series of tests and, and so right. forth. Um, but essentially, wouldn't those tests be considered R&D um, in, in that environment? Yes, correct. So that's so, what's qualifying for the tax credit for them. Um, and then, let's see, how would we, uh, I guess we, we could apply this to... Um, Let's say, uh, how about for, well, I think I already have the answer for this one and that, but I would like to get your input on it is, uh, 
how about stock trading? Uh, so day stock traders. trading, yeah. So day traders, I mean, like if that's your business, um, a lot of times they're going to have to purchase software or create their own software to help monitor and do things um, within their business. Now, I will say that this is going to be a harder thing to qualify, like the, the manufacturers, the doctors, the medical, the, the people that um, are like construction workers, like all those people are, are, the IRS already knows, like they know what they're doing in their business, right? They know that they, this is what they do. There's no really investigation they have to do. They know that that's what they do. And they already have certified and said, basically, you as a general rule are going to qualify for this credit, right? When it comes to what the, the day trader type person, now they're going to have to do like, they're going to have to, to show like the data they're tracking and keep track of it because it, it has to be tied to a hard they're science. adjusting their algorithm and that's right how, how their what loss. are you doing right how are you adjusting it like how what are what are you doing like show the me that you're not just randomly changing things like track your data show that you're making changes in progress to improve your output like that's gonna have to be documented at a high level and then like it's not just the documentation but like like I, when I mentioned the software like the software can help you do that like you're using the software to help you become more efficient. And so you paying for that software, if you're qualifying, will become a credit because the software is helping you become a better efficient um, employer or whatever. So down to stock traders and that, like if you're purchasing software to improve your efficiencies, that's a qualifying event. Does that make sense? So whether you have a CRM, practice management solution, any of those aspects, a lot of them will are built off of databases, whether that's SQL, NoSQL, um, that's getting into more technical mumbo jumbo, but uh, at the end of the day, all of those, uh, what matters is all of them can go export to what's called an XML spreadsheet, um, which you can then create a series of graphs off of different data um, in time period right. and so forth. And so if you can prove that you, okay, hey, I implemented a new training, employee training procedure during this time, I want to see if sales increased during this time. I want to see if employee retention increased during this time um, compared to the last year or whatever. Um, and I think, uh, and again, correct me if I'm wrong at any point, but that seems like almost essentially at that point, almost any business whatsoever, as long as they're keeping track of this, because uh, that seems to be the key indicators tracking it and having those metrics to prove it. So if you do get audited, that you can say no i i have done this yeah correct yeah that's that's any business can qualify there's the ones they're going to qualify almost automatically like what we mentioned the, the agriculture the medical the manufacturers the the textile folk the people that have to do a lot of hands-on engineering construction but then any business can qualify just with what you said but there are some other things you have to you have to be paying taxes like if you're not a successful business and you're but maybe you've lowered your tax liability through deductions like all the way down to zero. Like that's not, you have to have paid taxes because the way this credit works is they're giving you back tax state. dollars yeah. that you've already paid. And so they're not just gonna, if you haven't paid anything, they're not just gonna give you money because you haven't contributed to this, to the system or whatever. So you do have to be paying taxes. We found that it's about $10,000 a year that is like a nice spot where people are going to start qualifying at. It could be a little less than that, but that's the spot that we found is most um, that's indicated. The under here in court. Yeah. Okay. So how would you, um, I guess, what would you say to the people that, especially with COVID right now, 
right? COVID has caused a lot of businesses to basically break even, if not lose money already. Uh, so they don't necessarily need tax credits. Now, granted, there are tax credits that you get. So you can take up to a $23,000 $23, loss, essentially, and that can and spread that over a couple different years. Right. Um, granted, you can't show loss like four I think it's for over five years in a row because then it, it classifies your business as a hobby, as a right. actual business. And so um, what would you say to those people that might not necessarily need additional credits? Yeah, so, I mean, the reason, I, I mean, just to, I mean, COVID has hit so many small businesses so hard and it has devastated a lot of them. And so... Um, you might um, have had a loss this year, but the previous three years of you may have had really you've had a ton of success. And so is what we encourage people to do right now is like go back and get recovered because you probably I mean, like this is just an amazing stat to me. So 95 percent of qualifying small businesses do not use the R&D credit. So. That's like not every business qualifies, but 95% of the ones that do qualify don't use the credit, have not applied for it, have not got any money from it at all. Of that 90, of the 5% that do, 80% of them are billion dollar companies. So you have the majority of small businesses, almost no small business is, is claiming the credits. And then the ones that are claiming are massive companies. And so this makes people think this is just a big business thing. It's absolutely not. But because you have missed out in the past, you, you can actually go back up to three years and go recover what you are, what you missed. And so you can go back and grab in 2017, 2018, 2019 money credit that you should have claimed, but did not and go get it. And then the IRS will send you that money in the form of a check. So you can put cash back into your business to help you stave off this COVID storm. And so you might not this year, you might not have it where like in the well, especially the, as the eidl loans start becoming due i think that actually right. the revenue would be substantial for some people um, and a lot of people are like well i don't know if i did any rd but the fact is is if you have a crm if you have software like quickbooks if you have software um that implements and tracks some of those metrics then chances are you already have a lot of the KPIs or the, um, the main key point indicators to, to show what happened. And then all you have to do is think about what you did throughout the year and then tie it to those metrics and say, okay, yeah. because everyone does R&D whether they realize it or not, right? Um, with few exceptions. Um, a lot of people are always seeing, okay, well, what can I do to improve this? Because we would like to make even more money, right? We want to make more money this year. We want to um, engage this client or we want to step into this industry or this, this niche and start focusing that. Um, all of those little things like, okay, yes, we, we branched into this new, like, for example, even our company, um, branched into product development um, and stuff like that. And that's purely R&D, yes. uh, pure niche in that. Um, we initially did it because we were building products or we were having to make specific one-offs a lot of the time for, um, 
for some of the other projects we were doing on the technical side. And so it just was one of those things that it was kind of a natural step into it. But because we made that step, that's automatically seems like a lot of R&D credits right there. Yeah. Um, so you just have to apply that to your own business, whether you're a, a shop. Um, I know that there's a few clients that, uh, for example, they sell products that even at farmers markets and on online or e-commerce. Um, just adjusting those different pictures to see which one helped sell more or doing multiple listings and that to see which one sells or gets more engagement or more clicks. That's R&D. Um, yeah. That web design, uh, the interface, the overhauls and that is all R&D. The product modifications itself, as you were saying earlier, is R&D. Um, so that's a really cool thought and that they, they're like, hey, as long as you can go back in and just like try to remember. And the great thing about Facebook is Facebook documents your entire life because most people live on social media. So all you yeah. have to do is go through your history yeah. and there's all your proof that you did R&D. <laughs> yeah. And one of the nice things is, is honestly, like it's already been documented like through your taxes like if is it i mean you might have to like some of it, some people are gonna have to show a little bit more but like your tax return um shows the expenses of the behaviors you've already done so like it shows you paying for that software it shows you paying for that employee to create that product it shows you um purchasing that machine it shows you like it show that documents it for you and so um that's why it's really important to to have like good books like, essentially is because like not just like like just throwing it all together but like it, it does it can document it for you if that makes sense okay so how would you go about that if if you've never even looked at r d before which obviously as you said over 95 percent of the people probably 100 percent of the people listening um, right. have never done r d and that uh or at least documented that process what would you suggest as far as a kind of a first step yeah, so the first step is um, realize, number one, that if your CPA knew how to do this, they probably should have already done it already. And that you probably need to be not, 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 your CPA might be fabulous again deduction. So I'm not saying dump your CPA, but I am saying add another team member. So we like to consider ourselves that other team member. So we are research and development or incentives and credits specialists. And so there are a handful of them nationwide. So find a incentive and credit specialist that's gonna help you and understands that side of the tax code um, so that you can go get that money. So, because um, your CPA, if they, like, if they know about it, if they knew and understood it, they probably would have already done it, right? So find someone that's an expert. You can Google incentives and credits, experts, specialty firms, like it's gonna pop up with a variety. Like there's plenty of people to contact. My firm would love to help you, but um, obviously I need, you need to do what's best for your company. But is what we do is we just, we give a free assessment. That's the, 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 the my favorite part of this whole thing is, is you can know within a matter of two weeks, does my business qualify? And if, if not, does it qualify or not? Like, yes or no. And we can do that absolutely free. Like, we'll just, we'll take a look. Have, we'll fill out a quick application. We'll look at your tax returns. We'll see if there's behaviors there, if the expenses are there to match it. And you'll know within two weeks, does my business qualify? You'll also know a minimum amount that you qualify for. Because we'll provide a one-year snapshot of this is how much you qualified for in 2017. So for example, just this week, we had a, a jewelry design company 
that we did a we did an application free qualification for and in 2017 they qualified for about 14,000 so this business owner who designs jewelry now knows that he has at a minimum $14,000 that he can get back from the IRS now if he wants us to go back and do the other years like there's a, there, that's where we have to talk about the fees and whatnot but at least now they know they can either walk away from us and go have their CPA like, hey, I know that there's $14,000 here. Can you help me go get this? Or they can go to another firm or they can just leave it. It's up to them. But it's a completely free process of you can know as a business owner, complete, now you can sleep well, like, all right, my business doesn't qualify or I didn't do enough in this yeah, year. And we'll, uh, we'll start getting into that at the end and we'll actually have you give uh, your contact information at the end of this podcast just to to let everybody who is be interested in that assessment right. uh, be able to take advantage of that. Um, so getting back to kind of this, the core foundation and that, um, so I, obviously we've kind of, we've seen that almost any business can apply um, or will be eligible for some kind of R&D to some aspect and that in some way. Um, as long as they're documenting and they're showing consistency of that, um, obviously the people that just are, have a retail store, that's very minimal, um, unless you're doing R and D with it. So I guess how it would apply in a retail environment, which is a lot of our clients would be more of a, there's a reason that the milk is put at the back of the store, right? That's yep. their R and D through R and D. They were able to discover that if they put all the snacks and junk food in certain areas of the store, like the soda on one side, the milk in the back, the meats as well in the back, that by, um, by just kind of as a natural result, you are going to like, they're going to get more business. Like the average yep. ticket item prices, uh, or their average uh, order per customer is going to be higher right because right. you walk through you see other stuff that you want on the shelf um so how can we apply this concepts to in numerous because i i think that every if you are not doing like you might have been doing some r d but if you don't have kpis if you don't know really your metrics and that to know what you're getting out of it then it's not really doing you any good. Um, so I think that R&D is absolutely pertinent in every single one of our lives um, because that's the only way that we improve. That's the only way that we are, they better ourselves, in other words, um, better our businesses, better all these different aspects in life. Um, so what would you say is the bis- biggest um, aspect that, that you would say that, uh, what, well, first of all, what is the highest ROI been in your life? Um, through R&D, like could you explain your process. Yeah. No, I really like that thought. I think it's, uh, I, have, I have two thoughts that are really pressing on my mind. So number one is like, you're dead on when it comes to like, if you're not doing research and development in your business, you're probably gonna end up being out of business at some point. Like you have to be evaluating like how things are working. Like how are my customers looking at this? How are they handling this? And that's just not business. Like that goes to relationships. Like, are you just, have you become stagnant? Like, how are you evaluating? Like how you are approaching your spouse or your, your kids or your friends? Like, if you're not evaluating those things, then you're probably just going to become stagnant. And because if you're not looking at it, if you're not paying attention to it, it becomes. Um, well, I mean, look at Mitsubishi, right? Mitsubishi used to be one of the top 
in electronics, they used to be the top in a lot of things, but they grew stagnant, they grew cocky, they didn't make any improvements because they thought that they were the best in the seven C's. And because of that lack of initiative, they became irrelevant, right? Yeah. I mean, Another example is Kodak, like Kodak in, actually yeah, invented exactly. the first digital camera, but they decided that it wasn't going to sell. And so then they, now they're, they went bankrupt. So like they chose not to, to like they were actually inventing and then they said, oh, well, that doesn't work. Let's just not do it. They like, would be the current cone, uh, like Canon or Sony of the right. camera videos. They were the first to do it. They made it yeah. first, and, but they, they failed to uh, act. But I guess another thing is acting on this, acting on the knowledge you're getting, like, they had got to a point where they actually created this wonderful product, but then like, well, we're not going to act on it. Like that happens all the time in life. Like you get all this information from all these different sources. You have, you know, the decision you should be making, but you have either doubt or scarcity sneaks in and you don't act on it. And then it, you end up not, that could have been a huge opportunity. So. Well, some I of think the biggest historical things, sorry, not to interrupt. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I, I it's gone. Sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Um, so the, like, I, I've actually looked, so I, I'm kind of a history buff in certain regards, and I've enjoyed watching, like, looking into some of these things. And one of the things that I've noticed is the lack of action has led to some of the biggest mistakes in history. Um, for example, we did know about, and some of those things are good, like absolutely amazing, and some of those are absolutely horrific. Um, for example, we did know that we, we do have intelligence that we didn't know about 9-11 because they didn't act on that intelligence or they thought, oh, well, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think anybody would have the guts to do that. Um, it resulted in how many people dead. Yeah. Um, it is the same thing with World War II and that um, all the Germans were parked at the French border and it was kind of known as the greatest parking lot of all times. All it would have taken is the French going over, bombing the entire army, and literally World War II, as we know it, would have ceased. It would have been over. <laughs> there would have been no more. Um, but that lack of action led to that. And obviously, in your business, it's something as great as, as vast as that as countless people dying or something is not realistic. But it's just a, it's the same principles that if you don't apply yeah. in your personal life then it can create just as much of a personal disaster, right? Loss of opportunity, loss of connections, loss of family, um, loss of everything else, right? Um, and so I, I think it's very pertinent that you act on the information that you're given and that you're always collecting and you don't grow stagnant, right? If you grow stagnant, even with your wife or with your kids and that, then that relationship just kind of falls apart, right? And yep. I think we've all gotten to that, to that point where we deep dive into business and we don't focus on those other relationships and those other relationships are what start to suffer, right? Whatever we're not focusing is what suffers. So I think that that part and that information and collecting that is just as important um, as just the, the core businesses itself, right? There's a number of different principles you can take out of this and apply to your life. Um, and I, I, I think that that would be a great thing to just to have people look at and say, okay, um, what, what is the key indicators in that? What do I really want out of life in that? 
uh, obviously I want to stay relevant with my business and that so I'm going to do R&D to see how I can improve that how I can stay on top of our customers minds I'm going to constantly engage my customers to see what can I do to be better what can I do to provide better service to you because um, those customers that you let grow stagnant and they're like well they're just paying their bill monthly for years right eventually they're going to cancel because they're like well I never talked to this person now you don't have that relationship but people are so afraid of making that contact and that because there's pain because um, they have had that one situation, right? Where they, um, the customer was like, well, I don't actually use your service. And um, so, you know, what? I, I, I just haven't got around to canceling it anyways. And then they had that cancellation yeah. um, for the service. And, and that's always frustrating, right? But there's also just as many of those that flip around and turn into uh, a multi-million dollar deal. And that, right. um, so you reach out to them and say, hey, I just wanted to show you like, hey, we appreciate you, um, all that you do. And then also have, I've noticed that you haven't really used our services very much. So here's some things that you can do that, uh, that would apply to your business to make it more and provide that value, right? Earn that check and just be like, you know what? I was thinking of canceling that, but you provided me this extra value, which like basically paid for all that time that I wasn't using you guys. And now I'm gonna refer you to all these other people, right? And that personally to me is a better type of relationship to have with at least my clients. Um, everybody's gonna choose their own type of dynamic um, but I do believe that there's certain key principles that are just best business practices. Yeah. No, and I think, I think this is all, I mean, like the more life goes on for me, it's like, everything is just interrelated. Like we talked at the beginning with how my physical education career can start playing an impact on my business and like my family relationships are the exact same thing as my client relationships. It's just all a matter of taking um, the truth that you're learning in all these spheres and combining them into the best to create you into the best person so you can present yourself and bring the most value to the world. But if you're not collecting that data, if you're not acting on it, then it's never actually become, you never become that best person because you have failed to grow and failed to push yourself and failed to make those connections. So I think it's much more holistic, our world than people think. Well, and how many people have made the same mistake over and over again? I mean, yeah. that's really the key testament. If you are making the same mistakes over and over again in your own life, then really that is because of the fact that you are not tracking anything or you're in denial, you're dismissing things because you don't want to admit um, like what, what it means. So you are doing R&D always in all aspects of your life. But the fact is, is, again, if you're not acting on that information, then nothing's going to change. Nothing in your life is going to change. So if you're stagnant in your life, if things aren't going the way that you want, then either A, you're not doing R&D, you're not taking key, getting track of those KPIs and those metrics that you need to make an educated decision, or B, you do have the data, you're just not acting on it, period. Right? Yep. Um, no, I love that. Yeah, I think this, I mean, like, I always tell people um, invest in yourself and like invest in yourself is tracking data and like learning new things, but see, how does this apply here? Like how can I actually apply this information? Cause I have all this knowledge that just came in, but how is it actually gonna apply to my life and then track mm -hmm. it? Like, okay, I took this, I applied it. Did it work? 
didn't make an impact. Maybe a little bit now I can adjust it. And like, I realized that takes a little bit of time for people. It doesn't have to be this huge uh, elaborate thing, hour long, like sit down session. Like, all right, I learned how to uh, do my taxes today. And now I have to like, I applied it here, did it work? No, like just like self checks randomly um, by this constant, like just evaluation at small checks. Just, you're not having to like look at data, but you're just in, just like slowly manipulating your life. I think as long as you're looking forward and trying to improve, like you're going to start moving upward and upward and upward and it just gets a little bit better. It's the same thing in even religious, right? It, um, it's the same key principles as you have, if you instill, whatever you instill your life constantly or consistently is what's going to emulate throughout your life, right? Um, so if you're, um, if you're constantly um, looking at, uh, things that say to love your neighbor and to be kind to others and, and stuff like that, um, then chances are you're going to emulate a little bit more of that, right? Um, and so it, it doesn't matter if you're Buddhism, Islam, Christian, or whatever, um, those key principles, right? Whatever you involve yourself in, um, as long as those values are good, um, and there's just as much negative in all things as there is positive right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of Christians that do it just because they're told to do it. Um, and same with any other religion or, or business or whatever else. Um, there's a lot of people that do business practices just because they're told to do something, not because they see value in it. Um, and when you do something just because for the sake of doing it, it's, it may work to a certain degree, right? Um, mm -hmm. Like, for example, if you listen to, hey, love all your neighbors, then you're going to be more likable. You might not understand why, but yeah. um, there's the, that key element and, that, and you might get more business out of it. You don't understand why. Um, and so that's why a lot of people will not implement or keep consistent with those statistics or those, um, those good practices, um, which then starts affecting other aspects of their life right yeah um because they're like well okay this has never done anything for me um i've always been a good business owner or whatever i've always done this i've always um whatever i don't need all this extra stuff i don't need to make that extra effort or anything else but when they do that they don't understand why their business starts falling apart they don't understand all those other things that start happening um, and I know that that's kind of a stretch from R&D, but the fact is, is as we make these educated decisions, that's really the key element on what allows us to, to make better decisions throughout all aspects of our life, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it, to dumb it down as simple as possible, it's when you touch a stove, you immediately can get that correlation, like, yeah. hey, stove's hot or anything else. Um, now there's there's some people that will take that and say, well, the stove did it to me um, and blame the stove. But the fact is, is it's the only thing that you can control in your life or your business or anything for that matter is your own actions. So you are adapting to the environment, right? That doesn't mean never, mm -hmm. cook, never touch the stove again. That means, hey, there was something here that happened and everything. I didn't like it. I got hurt from it. So how can I avoid that in the future? Oh, hey, when the burner's been on 
and it didn't get shut off and these bad these principles weren't practiced that's when i got burned right when, it, right. when you're in a kid mindset right then the only thing that you understand is you got hurt stove is bad stove hurts everything else and that's all you want right. to teach your kids because they're at that stage of learning right but as you grow and you progress it's just making those little steps right and understanding that hey just because this happened doesn't mean that's the reason that you're what you're thinking is what has happened in your life um, right. and i know that's kind of going into a kind of a rabbit hole um, but that's how i see things personally in that so um when when i start looking through okay how can i improve my life what can i do better right um or okay yes i do um for example that there was one time too for for the longest time um one thing that i would do at least r d wise was social things um i would basically think that like it, when you're kid right you think that by giving um like when you in high school or junior high or whatever um that a lot of those people like you start to learn you're still in that weird dynamic where you're not really sure you don't understand what real friends are you don't really understand what friendship is you don't understand um, a lot of those key elements um, to a certain degree. And so you think that just anybody giving you attention is somewhat is, is positive. And so that's when you get a lot of those people that are, will either, um, act out, like there'll be a little rebellious stuff because they get all that attention and they think that that's popularity and that attention is good. Right. So they're the R and D in their mind. And that conclusion is like, Hey, I want popularity. So that's, so me acting like a jerk and that is getting me that return on uh, um, or ROI in my mind or their mind, mm -hmm. but they don't see the, all the other negative connotations that come as a result of that, uh, especially later on in life. Um, or if you are a people pleaser, right, then you always get in that mentality that you always have to give things away and you have to do everything which is still better than being a jerk a lot of the time, especially later in life. But the fact is, is if you let people walk all over you, then at the end of the day, it, you're going to suffer, right? You are right. going to basically have everything stripped away from you and you'll have nothing left to give. Um, so there's this fine balance, right? That so uh, like for me, I learned that um, I needed to, like, for example, I needed to stop doing as much charity, which I know sounds awful, but the fact was, is if I kept giving away everything, like my savings, trying to help right. people, um, then the fact was, is I didn't have enough stability to make sure that my family's taken care of and all this other stuff, negative stuff started happening. So there's balance in all things. So to say, okay, yes, um, I live within my means and I live a modest lifestyle. I don't need exorbitant. I don't need Lamborghinis. I don't need all this other junk. Um, and then be able to have a comfortable savings and then also be able to, to do that. But if you didn't do the R&D to just see, okay, how is this decision affecting my life? Then you would never have the knowledge to make educated decisions on how to apply that to other aspects, right? Or you would just keep continuing what you've always done 
or just do a lot of random things and, that, and not know why some things worked and some things didn't um, in different situations. So that's that's way too long of a rant, but um, I'll let you take over and that uh, <laughs> to see uh, what are your thoughts? What, what are kind of um, some R&D things that you've done, I guess, in your own life that, uh, that you've seen as either a positive or a negative ROI? Um, what are the things that you've had to change or adapt accordingly? Um, yeah, so I, uh, I don't know if you, if people are going to see this um, YouTube video, but they'll probably notice I don't, I don't smile a ton. Like I, I'm very a stoic person. And a lot of times that doesn't uh, work very well with people. Like they don't uh, like, even though I, I feel like I'm really friendly, like I'm really kind and I, I'm, I feel like I'm enjoyable to talk to But a lot of times uh, when you don't look, um, very approachable people don't approach you or they don't want to open up to you and so I have had to uh, take some stock on like where do I want to be do I want to be seen as this uh, stoic uh, mean-hearted person like yeah like a, a negative brand even though it's not necessarily true it just is what people look um, what I look like but so I've had to adapt that ROA and start making changes in the way I hold my presence and my non-verbal um, communication and the way I'm I'm hold myself and smile. I'm like, I still have a ways to go, but I've seen some positive impact on that as I've evaluated that um, feedback I've gotten from people. And as I've like looked at like, all right, like why, why is it that this person approached like this, like just in this well, environment, this like, why way, this like if, someone else versus me, so. Well, it's funny and that because if you look at psychology, um, people with a good smile are automatically like uh, on a polarized a lot substantially more trustable, like yeah. trustable Trust in that, yeah, right. um, at least in people's minds, right? They could be a sleazy right. salesman in that, but if they have that perfect smile in that, then people naturally right. tend to to trust them more. Um, yeah. Yet if you're missing half your teeth, then they think that you're just a druggie that you're going to steal. Right. Um, Correct. So people's image of you and that greatly affects on on certain things um and granted there's there's again that line right you're never going to please yeah. everyone um right. so one thing that i've had to learn is is trying to um because a lot of people would always think that whenever i would comment on posts and that um they would only see me as negative when i was just doing constructive criticism and i'm like hey um, maybe you should try this. This might be a good idea or something like that. Or, hey, if this is bothering you or something, then maybe you should do this. Um, when, mm -hmm. Without realizing and taking into consideration that, hey, most of these people don't want advice. They don't care. They're just right. venting and throwing up online. And that, yeah. But that was affecting how people saw me. And that, as opposed to, like, in my mind, it was, oh, I'm just helping. Right? right? Because if I'm doing something stupid or bad, or if I'm making a huge screw up, I would like somebody to call me out on my stuff. Right, right. Um, I would appreciate somebody being blunt and saying, hey, you're being an idiot right now because of X, Y, and Z. Not just, hey, you're being stupid or you're being an idiot. That's a whole different ball game, right? Um, right. That's just being negative or intentionally attacking. Um, and I think that a lot of people don't understand necessarily the difference or that line. Um, however, it, I do feel that it is just as important to understand that, okay, with this, um, 
that how we are perceived and some of those things that we want to implement in our own life um, is vastly important to so kind of those other metrics in our lives that other r and d that we're doing throughout our life um, and that's one thing so that is one thing that you can do as simple at least r and d in your own life right is just watch um, like get your teeth straightened or teeth whitened and watch how people treat you a little bit differently and it yeah. might not be night and day difference right um, but it will be vastly um, you will be able to see a difference at least in um, stranger interactions, right? Right. Um, people that don't know you um, and making that first impression. And if things are getting again stagnant, then I, I think that it's one of those things that you just you have to shake it up, right? Whenever mm. things get stagnant for me, um, I have to throw myself into the deep end, if you will. Uh, to make myself as uncomfortable as humanly possible because that's the only areas that I really grow. Does right. that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, so what is, and I know that uh, I've asked you a couple times here, but again, what what is some R&D, I, I guess, mistakes and that, and what have you learned from them? Um, whether it's yeah. your physical therapy or your personal career, that transition and that, what are some things that you wish that you could have done better and that, that now through your R&D and that what, what did you do to, I guess, come to that conclusion? And then what did you do to uh, learn from it and what do you wish uh, you could have done better or um, so forth? Yeah, I think one, um, I think you mentioned it a little bit, uh, but what we focused on matters. Um, but uh, when I started the transition from physical education to trying to find my own business and trying to figure out a way to make more money outside of being employed, um, I started neglecting my family more than I should have and uh, had a negative effect for a time. And so I had to have a wake up call of like, do I want to have a family or do I just want to be, be alone? Like I had to make that choice. And so I needed to, to reevaluate because I, I love my family. And I want to be with them. And so I had to make that change of balancing. Like I still have to, I, even though I want the financial freedom and I know I want to do it for them. Like I had to make the choice that, Hey, if it takes longer to get there because I'm spending more time with my family, then it takes longer to get there because I'm spending more time with my family. And that's the journey of being with my family is the most important thing. And so I had to make that adjustment of, I can't just be out there trying to grind and hustle all the time trying to figure out a way to make more money. Like you I still have out. to focus on my relationships, <laughs> right? I burn out, my family burns out oh, and neither yes. of us are going to be productive and it doesn't work. And so I had to make that adjustment and I feel like I've improved and I still have to make that adjustment, but it's happening. And, uh, it's, I would, I, I don't, I don't think you, when you look at, the, at your deathbed, I think if you looked back and you had deserted your family because you wanted to pursue business and you become successful in business, I'm pretty sure you'd have a lot of regrets in my, in my mind. Like, yeah. Your, your relationships with you have your family are the most precious and most um, sacred in my mind. And so I feel like even if your business doesn't succeed, like that, the process of doing that is going to make you a better person. But at least if you're, if you're spending well, your time, how many millionaires themselves? So. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think that's the, don't, don't uh, desert your family in the pursuit of, of wealth. I think that was that was probably, I, did, I know I didn't mean like intentionally get to get to that point, but I felt like my actions were showing that. And so um, 
I had to make that change. So that was a negative thing, but I did make the change and I feel like it's made my family stronger and we have better relationships. And we well, if you don't have something have... great to come home to at the end of the day after work and all that, then let's be honest, it, it's not, not much is worth living for right. anyways. Um, you're alone at that point and then you're just miserable. Um, and yeah. I'm sure a lot of people um resorted to drugs and party lifestyle and that and they were yeah. like, well i thought i was happy at that time but if you looked at them um almost every single one of them get to a certain point where they basically have a gun barrel in their mouth and yeah. that's a stage that i don't want anybody obviously to get to um and that's when i i found that just um to to build the relationships that are truly valuable, that um, that matter the most. And then also if you are, like you can have everything, right? You can have success, you can have a very successful, you can make a lot of money and have a great family life. And a lot yeah. of people are like, well, you can't because you have to hustle hard and you have to work your ass off. Like, no, it's not. It's about making the most of the time. So when you are working, 100% work, right? You focus on that. You stop getting distracted. You focus on that, and you work efficiently. Um, because if, if I if I counted how much wasted time people have in just whether it's uh, just talking about random BS and that, or playing games, or watching Netflix, or anything else, yeah. And, and instead, it just say consolidated. And it's not saying that you can't enjoy and have those movie times and do all that other stuff. But the fact is, is while you were working, you weren't actually working efficiently. You weren't doing sales efficiently. You weren't doing these things that allowed you to have more time for your family and all that, right? Um, yeah. And that was one thing that I even had to learn, especially with family. Um, I would still answer work calls. Um, yeah. And I actually had to learn to draw that line. Um, so whenever my family time or my kids, I wanted them to understand that they were a priority at that time, that work didn't come before them. And so, um, I thought it would negatively affect, and I would always, the justification in my mind at the time was, well, if I reject these calls and that, then I'm going to lose this business and that's going to affect my family. So yeah. by answering the call, then I am helping my family, right? That's the kind of the rationality that I think a lot of men go through um, is yeah. that provider mindset. Um, but in reality, as you block out that time and say, okay, after five, it can wait till tomorrow. Unless yeah. you're gonna pay me triple time to where I can take an entire weekend off for my family, then you're right. not interfering with it. Yeah. Um, and as I did that, actually, um, people started having more respect for my time. Um, so that was actually the unique thing that I didn't really foresee is actually having um, people more respect my time more. And then also um, my the quality time, like the bonds and that with my kids. And that grew substantially better. Right. Um, because there wasn't distractions or anything else that would take away from that. Um, so there's obviously a lot of principles that we can take away from this. And I, I think that's kind of a, kind of a good note to, to wrap up on. Um, but I, I do appreciate your time and, and everything else here. Um, what, 
is kind of a final note that you would have for everyone and that, that is obviously trying to do R&D tax credits. And um, I, I would like you to kind of go into uh, or just the kind of a final wrap up summary, just say, hey, this is this is what, uh, what we can do. And then also your contact information and that for anybody who's interested in reaching out to you. Yeah, I think for to wrap it up, I think it's just important for people to remember that uh, so few um, so few business owners out there, whether they have a CPA or they're doing themselves, aren't um, using the credits and incentives that are available to them. And so just be aware that you might have missed something and it's probably worth investigating because even if you find out you don't qualify, I mean, it's just off your back, but if you do qualify, I mean, we're finding businesses getting back between 10 and all we had a business owner get back $190,000. We've had some business owners, not us personally. But Results are not typical. Right. They, I mean, like, typically, the, typically the average is going to be, you're going to get back between 10 and 30, $50,000. Um, Cause we can go back up those three years. And so like, if you're qualifying, like there's a good chance you have a good chunk of money at the IRS that you didn't have to pay the taxes that can come back to you. And so, um, I'd really encourage people just investigate it, whether you're going to contact me or you're just going to investigate on your own, like reach out and go get the credits you deserve because the money in business owners pockets is such more valuable than it is at the government. Like that business owner provides jobs, that business owner gets to live a free life, that business owner gets to help provide value to other people, their customers, their employees at such a higher level than I think the government can. And so I really want that money in their hands and there's this credit is giving it back to you and it, it puts money in your pocket. So um, highly encourage you to investigate it. Um, we do have a free book that if you wanna learn more, it's a really short book, but it will provide background information on where does credit come from? Who qualifies typically? How do you qualify? Pretty much a summary of what we've talked about, but a little bit depth, more in depth. So if you want that book and you wanna set an appointment with us, you can go to biglifefinancial.com forward slash research credits to get that book and set an appointment. So that's biglifefinancial.com forward slash research credits. Awesome. And then do you have a workbook or anything for, for people that, uh, that maybe they don't necessarily qualify for R&D credits right now and that, but uh, it might help them figure out what they need to start keeping track of and documenting? Um, that book will provide a lot of um, behaviors. And then if let's say they don't qualify yet, um, by getting in contact with us, like we can have a conversation in depth of like, what does it look like in your business? And I can provide loads of documents and articles to that individual on an individual basis, absolutely free. Like it, like I love just talking with business owners. So don't feel like just like meeting me is going to cost you anything. But like, if you don't qualify, like I can provide you with like different behaviors that you can start adding to your business if it is applicable and you can start getting these credits back and it might even enhance your business and make it better. Awesome. Well, I appreciate your time, Justin. Uh, thanks for coming on. And um, again, reach out to Justin and that's either on uh, a Facebook or uh, on his website directly and yeah. um, at least review the book. I mean, I don't know anybody that just likes to throw money away and I don't know anybody that truly believes that the government handles money more efficiently than they do. Um, <laughs> so yeah, let's be honest. Like he said, the money is better in your own pocket. Um, it's, it's not like the government did anything to really earn it. Um, <laughs> and they take enough money. So 
you might as well have that money to to work on your business and build something and provide more opportunities to other people or help whatever charities or groups that you want. Yeah. Um, so again, appreciate everyone's time and uh, thanks for listening. Take care.